Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome to episode, I think, number 242 of the Natural Hot Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. Easy for you to say. Yeah, well, this is the second time we've done this. The Natty Hattie at and, night. And I believe Kat Silverman is on the line. Kat, are you there this time? I am there this time. Nice. All right. This is Excellent. already going better than the first two-minute show we did that did not go well. Although my <laughs> intro, I want everybody to know, was immaculate on the one that we didn't It air. was. It was pretty good. Uh, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for tuning into the show. This is an odd show. It is. Um, first of all, we're doing it in a studio that has one light, and it's shining on me, and it's, it is at night. <laughs> this allows me to make faces at you without you knowing it. Yeah. Craig is, I think you're in a hoodie. You're like in the corner. <laughs> I can just kind of see Craig. A shadowy figure. Occasionally there's a smile, and that makes me uneasy. Kat is, uh, is on the line, and as we record this, there are still hockey games going on. Yes, Winnipeg won to move six points out of the Coyotes, mm. so, so that was nice of the NHL to yeah. keep things going make, for now. Make sure that game got mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's going to be games by the time you hear this podcast, though, right? There better not be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There had better not be. Is that where we're starting? We have to start there. Did you I mean, guys like my show, show notes, by the way? Okay. Did you like my show notes, by the way, with the little figure of, you know... Yeah, they were nice, but we're probably not going to use any of them. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, the coronavirus one, we will. With I guess that's true. The guy vomiting. So I would. Uh, I, I first of all do want to give Craig credit. He he brought in pizza, um, probably because Jamie's not here, and uh, oh, it was kind of payback. My heart. Yeah, you, you didn't have to tell Cat that. Well, I figured you know? she could tell. I, I, we're all about transparency here. I can't. Can you smell hear it, the Kat? pizza? Can you smell I can't the pizza? hear the pizza through the phone. No, Cat is all knowing. Um, all right, so. As we're recording this, and I mean, I just did a two-hour show on the other side here where stuff is changing every five minutes. Yeah. But the NBA, within the last two hours, has postponed their—or suspended, I guess is the best way to put it—suspended their season indefinitely. Yes. The NHL, on the other hand, released a statement. The National Hockey League is aware of the NBA's decision tonight to indefinitely suspend its season due to a player testing positive for the coronavirus. Kudos to the NHL for being aware of that. They actually read news. (laughs) The NHL is continuing to consult with medical experts and is evaluating the options. We expect to have a further update tomorrow. Here is what I say, and I know Kat's going to back me on this one. What's, first of all, left unsaid is we're evaluating how much money we're going to lose by canceling these games. And if this is not canceled tomorrow, very, very bad look for the league. 
Well, suspended, oh. not canceled, right? Yes, suspended, that's, that's sorry. the distinction suspended, that's been drawn. Yes. So if they suspend play tomorrow, there's still a whatever final 12 games of the season plus playoffs. We just yeah. don't know when. I would assume I would assume they have to. But uh, but Kat, what, what were your initial reactions just to everything that happened tonight and then also that statement? So I was actually I was supposed to be recording a podcast with a with Pasad Tadilis, uh, one of the one of the Canucks publications, uh, ahead of the game tomorrow, and we literally called in. We were just going over our notes for that podcast, and then saw that the NBA, like we were watching on Twitter as the game was like as the players were walking off the court right before tip off, and we were super confused. And about ten minutes into watching all of it, we decided just not to record for now, just because. We had no idea how things were going to evolve and things were changing too quickly. But I just, I don't understand why they won't cancel outright. You don't? Yes, you do. You know exactly why. Well, I mean, so so you say suspended indefinitely, right? But what sort of a logistical nightmare is rescheduling 12 games for every team of both the NBA and the NHL? And then rescheduling the playoffs, especially since all of those arenas have summer like concert series that they set up. Right. It's 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 so, brutally hard. Well, for the Coyotes, they'll just make them play all of the games on consecutive days. They were already doing that before all this, weren't they? Yeah. Back in November. They'll, they'll move them to Oceanside and play there. <laughs> Everybody plays the Oceanside where it's one degree. I, it, I, yeah, I mean... The, it's going to be a logistical nightmare no matter what with the NBA suspending play, but that's obviously the right thing to do in light of what happened tonight in Oklahoma City. Um, you I, would think so. I would assume the NHL is going to tomorrow, and we fully acknowledge that this is the sort of podcast that's not going to be evergreen. By the time you hear this, you're probably already going to know what has happened, and so some of this is going to be outdated. But look, it's it's a it's a weird look to not just come out and suspend it tonight. Um Major League Baseball hasn't suspended their league either, and they're in their meaningless the catches league. league games with yes. uh, the most at-risk population attending them in flocks. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, brutal. But if the NHL just comes out tomorrow and says, "Hey, we're doing what the NBA did," no big deal. But if they wait like a week and then do it, well, the NHL is a contact That's such sport. A bad look. <laughs> That's such a bad look. Yeah, it it it, it, it somebody, doesn't. Go ahead. Somebody pointed out that. The NHL couldn't even contain a mumps outbreak. Like, <laughs> what do they think they're going to be able to do? Well, NHL this Twitter already has problems. NHL Twitter saying that like they were going to suspend it, but then they they you know argued it down to just a two game suspension, or they were going to suspend it, but then they reviewed it for offside. <laughs> I mean, NHL fans are doing what you can, I guess. Look, the three of us love hockey. If if I could only have one sport going, I want it to be hockey. Obviously. It's my livelihood. It is the sport I watch every night, no matter what. And if I can't watch the games, I at least check in on all the highlights. But even I understand that for now, you got to suspend it. You just have to. It's a situation. Nobody Don't likes it. you have it. a moral obligation at this point? And look, I, I get a lot of people out there are saying, well, look, I'm not worried about me. I'm, I'm fine. I'm a healthy young adult or middle-aged adult in, in some cases. Kat would probably point that out to me. But... The point is not that. The point is who you might give it to. You might give it to a newborn or a 75-year-old. I have I have elderly parents. You have to think about your impact on the greater community. Don't don't these teams doesn't the league have a moral obligation to stop people from gathering en masse? I think they will. 
I think I just think it's going to come in 12 hours or whatever, 15 hours. And then, yeah. You want to wait until it's much harder for all of us to plan our day. <laughs> yes. That's... To cancel it. <laughs> You're reading between the lines of the uh, the PR statement, which, by the way, as I pointed out to Craig before, right before we went on the air, they have released another uh, tweet from NHL PR. Six straight games, Mika Zibanejad has a goal. Mm. So just in case you were looking for an update, that's it. Thanks for that. And the yep. immediate response from an angry Rangers fan of, he needs more help out there. <laughs> Rangers fans, I love their commitment and their consistency. I really do. <laughs> Look, I, I, you know, three hours ago, four hours ago, I was picking up my suit from the dry cleaner for tomorrow's Coyotes game and fully on board with the, if you have to push fans out of these arenas because we don't totally know what we're dealing with yet and it's a safety issue, then you got to do it. But I think sports serves value as a distraction at a time like this when you don't want people to freak out because that doesn't help. And, you know, if you can sit around and watch a hockey game on TV with your family tomorrow, I understand there's a lot of value to that. But then the situation changed in the last three hours, and I just don't know how you can play now. How can right. you ask a player to go out there and play? Go well, especially because, as, as somebody pointed out to me, I think it was like half an hour ago, the Lightning were in the same locker room as Goldberg two nights in a row after he was there. So there's a chance that the NHL has already been infected. Yeah. And like, I'll be perfectly honest. I've considered not, even if they do play in front of an empty arena, I've considered not going to games just because my other job, I'm around vulnerable populations. I'm around older people that work in the podiatry industry. And so I just, I don't know. I mean, there's there's like a 14-day incubation period for, right. for COVID-19, and there's a chance that we already have players who have it as, as we look at the mumps outbreak that happened a few years ago where Corey Perry spread it to the league like twice, um, like within the same season. Uh, there, there's a chance that people around the league already have it. And to your and point, so go ahead, I'm sorry. We just, we just don't know. Who has it? Who doesn't? We won't know who has it and who doesn't. And even like you, uh, I would assume that none of the NHL players are going to be quite as stupid as Gilbert. You know, I don't think that any of them are going to rub their hands on all of our microphones um, before they get up. I can't believe that. But happened. Yeah, I, I sure hope they don't. But uh, even if they don't, I mean, they say that in order to truly protect yourself, you should stay six feet away at all times. Right. Like, and and the NHL, to do that? well, they have instituted the six foot halo with, with interviews. It's, it's, it's interesting. They have done that for the last few days, but I, I want to go back you to something you between s- players on the ice, right? You, you don't have that. Exactly. There's, there's so many other things that we can talk about here. The, the idea that bringing a player out of the locker room, uh, going, going back to the media policy where uh, reporters can't go into the locker room. Now they bring players out. You bring players out into a hallway, like in front of a banner, you got a lot more people moving past you than you would in the locker room. So it's it's amusing, and I know it's amusing to some of the players. It's the illusion of safety. But back to a point that you made earlier, Kat, about shared locker rooms. There are findings that came out today that I was just reading online that this virus can be airborne for three hours. It can be It can live on surfaces for up to three days. So, yeah, if there are shared locker rooms or I mean, you think about the millions of ways in which you might come in contact with it simply because somebody who had it touched something. God knows where that can happen. 
it's insane to me to, to think about the ramifications of I, that. I just think it's you – know, with, with the Rudy Gobert story tonight, the initial report, at least from Sham Sharania uh, of The Athletic, right? Yes. Um, wait, you didn't say it correctly. So, well, that's, that's your job. You're the Athletic. That. You know, he was saying it's important to point out that, that Gobert felt fine enough to play. So, you know, to your earlier point, it may not affect a player if they get it, but it's just like – if we could suspend play for three weeks, and that it's not going to completely stop this. I'm not a scientist, but if you suspend play for three weeks and it really helps minimize this, why wouldn't you just do that? Not And even if you don't believe the players are at risk, and maybe they're not. I mean, you're young, healthy, athletic. Maybe you're not actually at risk of anything more than like flu-like symptoms. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But if you suspend play for three weeks and it, it cuts the percentage of passing this around in half or into you know a, a tenth as much why yeah. wouldn't you just do that i don't know and here's uh, money yeah well exactly but if you suspend you still get your money in theory yeah right? well, I mean, if you if you pick back you? up play in three weeks yeah yeah you can still get it yeah if, if you yeah resume the season another thing that i think about with this too is i get that you have to sort of subvert subvert your own beliefs sometimes when you belong to a greater organization but i have to wonder how many teams are not on board with the NHL's decision here, how much dissension there is within the ranks now. There have to be teams out there thinking, this is so fundamentally stupid, and we're going to look dumb in three days if we decide, oh yeah, now we're going to do it. Okay, what made you wait at that point? We all know why you waited. It was simply revenue. Nobody's going to... I mean, there's going to be fans, I'm sure, that will that will you know say stuff, but nobody's truly going to be upset if, let's just say, you suspend play, and in three or four weeks or whatever, we look back and we're like, okay, we're actually going to start play back up and that wasn't necessary. Like, I get that it's a logistical nightmare and all that stuff. That, that's just the reality of the situation. But nobody's going to be mad at you for no, doing the safer for thing. For being cautious. Yeah. <laughs> and and You'll, look, It'll be a logistical nightmare if there's a widespread pandemic, too. Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> a much more. It's a logistical nightmare regardless. Yeah, there's so. that. Yeah, that option's not, like, that's just the way it is. There's, we're looking at a logistical nightmare no matter what. Have you guys been burying food? Um, no, no, no. A okay. dog has. <laughs> Do um, my child might have. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I I just if if look if if this comes out tomorrow and they're like we just wanted to take some time to react before any more games were played we still suspended things then whatever I know people are going to rip them for for waiting overnight or whatever but to me it's an issue if you start waiting and there's more and more games because like you said Craig I guarantee you there are teams or players that are like. I don't want to go out there and play. Yeah. And if your players don't want to go out there and play, and most of them probably won't admit it, but if there's any, that's it. Like the the game tonight, the Sacramento and uh, and New Orleans, the there was still one NBA game that hadn't even started tonight, and they were going to play it and then suspend play starting tomorrow. And the players on, I believe it was New Orleans, were like, no, we're not playing in this game. And the NBA is like, you know what? Okay, cool no game. Yeah, that's it. Um, we're at least going to take listener questions. Yeah. Do you want to talk about anything else on the ice? Uh, I, I, I think our listeners probably want us to uh, talk about the Coyotes a little bit Okay, in so light of where things are. We're, we're going to kind of just – we're going to hold off on all the other stuff around the league that's actually taking place until hopefully next week. Yeah. Um, but the Coyote stuff, we got to address it because we have talked about how we are going to address it for the last few days. We let the fans – calm down a little bit. What was that, Monday night they lost in Winnipeg? Mm-hmm. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. speaking of Winnipeg, they jumped to 80 points tonight. Um, so I just asked the simple question, mm-hmm. are the Coyotes dead? What do you guys think? Here, here's my reaction. Um, you and I were talking about this on Monday night after the game. There's, They have 12 games left, right? 
and you have to get 18 points probably out of those 24 possible. If you do the math, you could go 7-1-4. and four. You, could, you could lose five of your last 12 games and still end up getting those 18 points. But the problem with the Coyotes is when they lose, they don't get to overtime. <laughs> so you yes. basically have to go 9-3. and three. And if Winnipeg, if one of the, any of these teams goes on a run, 9-3 and three might not even be enough. Yep. It's pretty much how I feel. I just look at I look at the odds now, the math, and it's just as I as I wrote in my column, it just feels like a child's hope at this point. I just feel like the season ended in Winnipeg the other night. When I read that, I thought that was directed at me because I was still thinking that there was hope, and I felt like you were calling me a child. Well, just, that's that's how I felt when I read that. It's okay if you let your inner child out at times, Luke. <laughs> just to be, Kat, how do you feel about this? I'm torn. Because, I mean, we saw last year the team's capable of going on those runs, right? And especially looking at the fact that we may get a suspended season, right? If they move it three weeks down the road, we get back at least one very valuable player um, <laughs> yeah. in Connor Garland, <laughs> yep. Yep. Which, which is a benefit for us um, as a team. But at the same time, I... I, I don't know. I mean, this team doesn't look, and I know they're motivated. Like, obviously they're motivated. I think they're just, they're in their own heads. And we see them do this all the time, where they just get sort of beaten down by those losses. And we talked about it, Craig, during during that game against Buffalo, where Buffalo is a team that sort of withers away, right? They mm-hmm. were up 2 nothing, and then rapid fire, the Coyotes tied it up. And it's like Buffalo just shriveled. And we see the Coyotes do it not as severely, but they do it over like stretches where they just mind, like they just shrivel up a little bit for five or six games at a time. And so, or five or six minutes in a game, which is all yeah, it takes right now. Yeah, yeah, which is even worse. Yeah. And it's, and it's, so I think it really, I think it does depend on whether or not this, how, how long the suspension of the season goes. Cause we have to assume the season gets suspended, right? If we're operating under that. Assumption we're going to hear that tomorrow. You mean rational minds? Yes. Right, right. Let's let's assume that the rational choice is made. My assumption is that the team can do it. You know, they get a three-week break, fresh start, come back. Connor Garland comes back well-rested. He's a player who plays well when he's rested. Um, and he's, he's one of those players who I think can change change their entire game. So I don't think they're necessarily dead in the water. But I'm not... As optimistic as I was two or three games ago. That's the thing. It flips so much. The last two games, you know, after the Vancouver game, you felt like, and I think we did, we have done one show since then. Maybe it was after the Buffalo game. But after the Vancouver game, you're like, yeah. I mean, if they if they basically, if they can get four out of six even on this road mm-hmm. trip, you're in a real good spot. It, it's not that they lost two games in a row. It's who they lost them to. Yes, exactly. That's right. the, and you don't have, you, of the 12 games they have left, they only have four left against teams around them in the playoff race. They've got Winnipeg once, Vancouver twice, and uh, Nashville once. And it, it's... They benefit from those Vancouver games because they've been mentally yeah. shriveling a little bit too. They're a team that... Their fans aren't necessarily confident that they're a playoff team. And and they're not totally uh, rational when they feel like their team is not a playoff team up in Vancouver. Exactly. But, you know, you, you look at the last 13 Coyotes games and it's, you know, maybe in a different year you'd be encouraged by this, but now it's just maddening. Of their last 13 games, they've won six and lost seven. All seven of the losses have been by one goal, except the most recent one to Winnipeg. They lost by two, but one 
one of them was an empty netter with 29 seconds left. Right. So it's like in your last 13 games, you've either won or you've lost by essentially a goal every single game, but you've only gone to overtime once. If they had gone to overtime in three of those other six losses, again, a lot of those games they led. Mm-hmm. If they just go to the overtime, <laughs> if you just get to overtime, you are in a playoff spot right now. Or like you're a point out. You know, you're yeah. in a playoff spot when you walk off the ice on Monday night against Winnipeg. Yeah, and it, I want to I want to talk about some of the issues moving forward. But you, it, it's hard to pinpoint one thing and say this is why they're not in a playoff spot. Now, when Darcy Kemper went down for the first month, they got average goaltending, so that was that was an issue for the first month. But then, Antiranta was spectacular in February. They've had these glaring breakdowns defensively that I think sometimes you miss if a team's winning. They, th- those sorts of breakdowns happen in a game, but. I did feel like they got away from their defensive identity for a good chunk there. And then the thing that we've been talking about forever, they never seem to get that back-breaking goal. They don't have the guy that they can turn to that's going to finish a game. They get to two goals. They get there a lot. They got there really quickly in Winnipeg, and they couldn't get the next goal to push it forward. Phil Kessel had a chance yeah. to push it forward, make it 3 nothing. They just can't get that goal, and that's killing them. And what's even tougher, I mean, how many teams have you looked around and seen here over the last couple of weeks around the Coyotes? Oh, Calgary's down by two with four minutes left. They get it to overtime, or they yeah. win. Calgary's amazing at that. But, but it, they're not the only ones, and yet with the Coyotes, you get down 3-2 late, and they don't tie it, you know? If, if you're up 3-2, Oliver will hit a 200-foot goal to, into the empty net to end the game, yeah. But if you're up late. But if you're down 3-2 with three minutes left... Who do you expect to go out there and score? I mean, for me, it would have been Connor Garland or Taylor Hall. Yeah, but Garland's not playing, and Taylor Hall's had some tr- trouble putting the puck in the net. Yeah. He's he's had a rough season there. He's talked about he, it. He scored the other day. I mean, he, he did. That did, was a, a ridiculous goal in Calgary, by the way. We do need to at least talk about that graphic that you tweeted out before. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's give Cat first crack at this. We're talking about the TSN graphic that showed the Devils' record before and after the uh, Taylor Hall trade and the Coyotes' record, and of course. The Devils have improved significantly since Taylor left town, and the, the Coyotes uh, have not. And that's as far as TSN got. And, and there have been some other people that have pointed that out. I got into an argument on Twitter the other day with a betting site who was telling me that this was legit, but they were ignoring every other variable under the sun. So, Kat, go. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. It, <laughs> it takes so little account into the goaltending. Right. And and I know that I am maybe possibly known for overstating the importance of the goaltending <laughs> on occasion, but just completely ignoring the fact that Mackenzie Blackwood has finally figured things out. Yeah. Thank what you for saying that, that, too, because Darcy Kemper was out and we all know that and people think, right. oh, that's what they're talking about. But yeah, go there, too. Exactly. It's exactly. It's not just the Coyotes. And because they, they were, they were getting fantastic goaltending from Montiaranta, especially once you left those handful of games where he was still shaking off another injury, right? Once he finally got his legs under him, he looks like Ranta again. Yep. But you look at the flip side of it, which is that Corey Schneider, after half a season of sub 900 goaltending, he won his first game in like February and has like hasn't stopped winning since Mackenzie Blackwood finally started to shake things out once he wasn't the only person carrying the devils. And so and that's not that's not a Taylor Hall thing. Nope. Because Taylor Hall isn't responsible for the like he's not the goalie coach. 
And the only possible thing that I can think of that he would affect in the locker room is being too smart. <laughs> because not nearly enough attention is paid to the fact that he is a cerebral player. Yeah. And um, he talks about his stats. He talks about the variables. He reads up on everything. He knows what's going on. He's rational about it. You know? Everything he breaks down, he breaks down articulately. He's amazing. They, they know, exactly. too, when they, when they post that. They know full well that if nothing else, even if they're not paying a close enough attention to New Jersey, they know Darcy Kemper's been out because he was the Vezina frontrunner when he got hurt. And he didn't miss three games. He missed over two months. So why even post the graphic other than to take a dig at Taylor Hall and I guess at the Coyotes, too? But... There's no way you can put that graphic up. There's no way you can cover the NHL and think, well, the Coyotes are worse because they got Taylor Hall. Even if you don't watch the games, you should be able to tell that. Just look at his stats and the fact that you haven't had your number one goalie and for a while your number two goalie. But you just put it out there, I guess, to be like, well, the Coyotes made a dumb trade making their team better. Like, what do you... It, it didn't. It didn't play out record wise because they lost their number one goalie the and, same week. And as we have talked about too, we've we brought this up multiple times. Here's another way to frame the issue: Where would the Coyotes be right now without Taylor Hall? What do you think the record would have looked like? Everybody that's been producing is on his line. Yes, they would be the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Kat. As long as you brought up Mackenzie Blackwood, should he be in the conversation for the Calder? Now we we talked about Elvis a, a few weeks ago. Should he be in this conversation? Does he qualify? Or did he play too many games? Last and he's I don't know he's a rookie. Qualified. Is he? Wow, he's officially a rookie really according to NHL.com. Yeah, that's wild. Now I'm citing NHL.com, mind you. So you know, that's take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> yes, yes, but he, yeah, he's know. officially listed as a rookie. Should he be in this conversation? He's been remarkable. So he's he's been remarkable, but I almost don't even know how he counts as a rookie, right? He played 23 games last year, yeah. and he didn't even start playing those until about halfway through the season. It's the cutoff, when they 26, passed through Arizona. 29, okay. yeah. yeah, when they played, when they passed through Arizona last year, I, I got a chance to talk with him for a while, and he was their de facto starter. Like, I got to spend five minutes talking to Keith Kincaid about how he was the bench warmer for Mackenzie Blackwood. So he was, he was Jordan Bennington last year, just on a not-as-good team. And so if you look at the games played, I don't think – I love goalies, right? I think they're, they're hugely important, but I don't think there should be two rookie goalies in the Calder conversation. Okay, so you would give it to, still give Elvis, Elvis the nod? I would give it to Elvis, okay. even though he's been injured, right? He has 33 games played, which is no small number for a guy who not only is in his first NHL season, but his first North American season. Yeah. This kid came over from Switzerland, and he has a 923 save percentage. For a while there, he was getting a shutout every single game. He has five shutouts in 33 games. That's stupid. Yeah, he's the reason so Even though Mackenzie Blackwood's been good, he hasn't been as consistent as Elvis has been. Because Elvis didn't win as many games at first, but he had good numbers. He was playing so well, and then the Blue Jackets would lose in overtime. Right. They're both top and 10 so, in goals saved above average, by the way. In the whole league, not, not in the whole league, obviously. In the whole league. Let's, um, let's run through some of these listener questions, because we have 8 million, and we've already got a half hour <laughs> into the show. Um, 
Okay. Imagine a lot of these are coyotes related, so we may be answering a lot of the questions that we plan to talk about with the coyotes anyway. Uh, Mike, how will we judge Chica after this season if the coyotes miss the playoffs and Taylor Hall signs elsewhere? What's the deal with Hayton being a complete non-factor since he came back from Worlds uh, slash injury? He's going to Tucson next year, isn't he? Okay, well, let's let's start with the Chica one first. Okay. As you alluded to earlier, Craig, it's tough. It's tough to figure out where to assess blame. I'm having a hard time blaming Chica, and maybe I'm in the minority, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. And so I'll just say all the moves he's made, for the most part, I have liked. I didn't like the Keller extension, but technically that's not in play right now because that extension hasn't happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Clayton Keller signing him for seven years and all that stuff, that's not affecting their chance to make the playoffs right now. Like, Keller hasn't been consistent at all, and everybody that wrote in last week and was like, okay, now we get off Keller, well, he hasn't done anything again since that game. Um, You need to do it more than twice every second half of the season. But that's drafting Clayton Keller was the right move. You know what I mean? So you can't fault him for that. If if Taylor Hall signs elsewhere and they miss the playoffs... And lose their first-round draft pick. That's the only thing that stings to me, is you lose your first-round draft pick. To me, you lost your first-round draft pick because you went for it. I still like the trade... Those prospects, I don't think we're ever going to play significantly for the Coyotes. But there's another piece in there that you just said, because you went for it. I think the Coyotes acknowledged by going and getting Phil Kessel and getting Taylor Hall that they were no longer in rebuild mode. They were going for the playoffs. So if you miss it in this Western Conference where it is imminently makeable, that doesn't reflect well on your moves. And I think he deserves some criticism for that. He deserves criticism for Phil Kessel who has not played well most of this season and is going to be here a little while longer. You can certainly look at those things when you're, when you're uh, analyzing John Chico's performance. Well, you're you're going to have to. Yeah, you, you can look at Nick Schmaltz right now. and He had a nice game in Winnipeg. He scored two goals. But he has, by and large, you know, been a non-factor over the second half of the season. He's also signed to one of those extensions. Now, there are flip sides to this. You really like the progress of Jacob Chikrin. Up until the past six games, you really like the the progress of Christian Dvorak, who's been really quiet. Connor Garland, that there there you know there's there's examples on both sides of the coin, but I do think that there is plenty of material worth um, examining with John Chica in terms of criticism. Well, I think everybody's open to criticism if you miss the playoffs because what yes. you said the Western Conference is is it's certainly attainable to make it. It still is for the Coyotes. They're still in striking distance, but it's like. I just when I look at, at how the roster was constructed, and I hear you with Kessel, but they didn't really give up anything for Kessel. I mean, I guess Joseph Pierre Olivier Joseph they gave up. We eh, don't know what that no, is. No, I just no. It's 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 cap space that they gave up. Yeah, and that's true. That's true. Um, but even you know when Jamie was here, him and I went back and forth Who? one week. Yeah, I, Who? I think it was was it Jamie Eisenberg. Was it Jesse yeah, Eisenberg? I don't know. Yeah, but either way, I mean, we went back and forth saying people need to temper their expectations for Phil Kessel's production this season, but we were both above what he has given them. So yes. I just I guess what I would say is Chica isn't where I would be aiming my most criticism. But everybody I guess is open to it if they miss the playoffs. Cat? I think he, he deserves constructive criticism, right? You know, he has made some missteps. Like you said, he's he signed Keller to that very lengthy extension. Um, I think that you can make a few of those chance extensions that are essentially gambles, like the Dvorak one, the Schmaltz one, the Keller one, the Chikrin run, but you don't make all of them. Um, I think that maybe he made a few too many of those and he should have done a few that were safe ones or bridge ones. Um, But that being said, I mean, going back to that point of him going for it, 
you have to at least give him a chance to make some missteps because he's the first GM who's gone for it in Arizona mm-hmm. in a how long ever? Yeah. I mean, this is a team that's played like some warped game of Moneyball for how many years now? And they finally said, we are going to give the fans what they want, which is entertainment. It's marketable names. It's names that they enjoy. It's flashy goals. You know, we didn't just watch trap hockey. We're watching, even though Phil Kessel has taken a bit of a step back, maybe more than a bit, he's still playing some fun hockey here and there. Taylor Hall's a delight to watch. You know, they're, they're actually going for it and they're bringing fans in and there are going to be some missteps when it's the first time an organization has really gone for it. I feel so like I think he deserves criticism, but like, I don't think he deserves blame in the sense that like, I don't, I don't think he needs to be gone. No, I know there are some people that either. want his head. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's typical, right? People the just fan. want, yeah, they, right. they want everyone's people head. want, want answers after yeah. the season. Yeah. Uh, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's basically yeah, what you're saying. And, right. and it's fair. It's fair. When you say you're going for the playoffs and you don't get there when the playoffs were very makeable, yeah, you deserve to be asked some questions. I, I think Chica went for it in a responsible way. It's not like they traded Jacob Chikrin and Auntie Ranta for Taylor Hall. They traded they traded a first-round pick. That's, yeah. But you have to trade something. You do. New Jersey's not just going to give you a guy that won the MVP two seasons ago. I don't think anybody could have foreseen other players on this team going into the slumps they have gone into, and certainly you couldn't foresee Kemper getting hurt you know, a couple days later. And even then, I know Ranta's injury-prone, but you, you had to think if you're John Chica, part of the reason we're in a position we can go for it is even if Kemper were to get hurt, we like our backup. And then they both got hurt. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. not. This is going to sound terrible, but that's where I almost wonder if more of the blame needs to be. Because Chica does make the decisions for the team, less so on the team construction and more so on is he a little too forgiving of the fact that, like, are we looking deeply enough at the fact that, like you said, Auntie Ronta is a little bit injury prone, but he's now gotten hurt a disproportionate number of times compared to the number of times he's gotten hurt in the past with the Rangers, with the Blackhawks over in Finland and Darcy Kemper among the goalie community has a bit of a reputation of being a little on the more mildly injury prone side. He was known for little tweaks here and there and wanting to pull himself for a few days at a time, not for major things like, like Ronta gets, but, and now he's gotten hurt. I think both seasons he's been here, right? So I, I think you almost need to assign more criticism to, are they asking the hard enough questions of the team's nutrition staff, their training staff? Are they asking the hard questions to the medical staff? You know, are, and that's all behind the scenes stuff, obviously, but that I find almost a little more, Sure. Eyebrow raising. And are they even looking at the right data for goaltenders? As we've discussed this as well, you know, when you talk, when you hear coaches say, oh, he just faced 26 shots. Well, that's not what you should be looking at with a goaltender. How many times did he go in the butterfly? How many times did he have to do a T push? How many times did he have to do that crazy position against the post? That stuff takes its toll on the body. We, um, I think we have about 75 questions, so I just want to see if we do eight minutes on each question, we'll be here for, I don't know, about 10 hours? Okay, cool. <laughs> so I'm going to try and rattle through some of these. Uh, another one from Mike, which I know sounds silly after I say that to ask another question from the, uh, the same guy, but I'm guessing more questions are about this too. According to Elliot Friedman, 
The Coyotes were going to offer Sheet Matthews to the max. Thoughts, confirmations, I never believe the national reporters until I hear it from Craig. Wow. You mean like way down the road when he's available you're talking about? Well, there was that story from Friedman. I think it was Friedman yesterday, right, that says oh, the yeah, Coyotes yeah. were, were oh. going to offer Sheet him had yeah. he become available. Oh, yeah. They, absolutely, they would have. Absolutely, they would have. And, and if he becomes available after his current deal expires, you can bet they'll be going after him hard. We'll see how that plays out. But, you know, I, I, so what? <laughs> they, they weren't going to let him go, is my point. Toronto was never going to let him go. I think we failed to ask uh, uh, answer the first half of uh, – Mike's question, the, the previous question when he talked about Hayden, isn't he going to Tucson? I'll have a story on that tomorrow, actually. Oh, okay. So that. how's that for a tease? Um, with, with the Matthews thing, you know, and sometimes you can tell when people don't really follow hockey that closely or whatever, but there was definitely, I got, I got this question from a few people uh, off the air of, you know, if, if Matthews had hit restricted free agency status and the Coyotes had offered him and, and gotten him, yeah. they would have had to give up four first round picks. That was the pushback. Yeah. Who cares? I would have done it in a heartbeat. I went oh, through. Absolutely. I went through and looked since Matthews was drafted. So the 2016-17 seasons where I started. Okay, the Coyotes' leading goal scorer since the start of that season has 54 goals. Second place has 50. Third place is Oliver Ekman Larson with 49. <laughs> Austin Matthews by himself has 158 goals. He has more than the Coyotes' three goal scorers since then combined. And he's a center. And what do they need? You can oh, have all my first-round picks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> take, take everything. Go ahead. <laughs> no matter who I get in the next four years, I'm guessing I'm not getting Austin Matthews. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. All right, question number three of 73. <laughs> um, Desert Doggies 96. Can the Coyotes donate $1 to charity every time a player starts off an interview response with, quote, yeah, I mean, unquote. <laughs> They are a very agreeable group, aren't they? Um, Steve, am I the only one who hates that we have regular hockey and playoff hockey? I like hard-hitting playoff hockey, but pick one standard and stick with it. Don't call every hit in December and then let them kill each other in March. How do you build a team for that? Uh, the last, the very last sentence there is an interesting question. How do you build a team? Because we've seen it. Tampa Bay is built for the regular season. And I absolutely hold strong to my stance that if they play Toronto, in the, if we have a playoffs and they play Toronto in the first round of the playoffs, they're losing. And we're seeing <laughs> Toronto beat them every time they play now. Not that Toronto is necessarily built for the playoffs either. but I was going to say, they, they won't play them because Toronto is going to play Boston and they'll lose in seven games. So, it's <laughs> exactly. Boston's exactly. built for the playoffs. Boston is definitely built for the playoffs. Um, St. Louis is built for the playoffs, as we saw. Yes. You yeah. build a team for that by building in sneaky players, smart players. And you can argue with whether or not Brad Marchand is a smart player, but guys who toe the line. Guys who, when it comes time for the playoffs, where you know nothing's getting called, know how to play that way. Yeah. And yeah. whether that's moral or not, that's I think that's an entirely different argument. But that's how you that's how you build for the playoffs. You get those guys who are able to do things that, when the refs look the other way, change the pace of the game. Um, Jeffrey Travis Twyman has a lot of questions. I'm going to try and. <laughs> put them together. A lot of people have a lot of questions. We, we're going to have to roll some of these over to next week, which we might need these questions next week because we may not have games between now and then. Um, Schmaltz, Keller, and Kessel have all been more noticeable since Hammer returned. Did the Yotes miss him more in the locker room than on the ice? Is he the leader that holds players accountable, or is it just a coincidence? I think it's not... I, I, 
I think he's a leader in the locker room, but I also think it's that he takes so much defensive responsibility. The players who thrive on a one-dimensional game, no offense to those three, but they're able to play that one-dimensional game because the second dimension is being more taken care of. Yeah, Great answer. Uh, Dangle Snipe Belly, over under 75% chance of Tockett being fired. I don't think he's getting fired. He's not getting fired. But we've addressed in the past – if if they miss the playoffs this year, he goes into next year, and he knows this. It's just the final year of his contract. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's he's get it done. And, and I'm not even saying he's going to. If if they get off to a, a bad start next season, I I could see him losing his job next season. I don't oh, think that's happening sure. this off season. Um, why are Disneyland's churros better than all other churros? Well, that's a good question. I've one. never been, so uh, I, I don't know. Happiest place on earth. Oh, let's see, it's just a little extra happiness. Favorite movie quote. The first one that jumps to my mind is Make Me a Bicycle Clown from Wedding Crashers. I don't know. What? I don't know why, but I'm going with that one. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for answering Who that. Who did the um, – was it Randy Muller that used to do the uh, the call, the radio call for the uh, Panthers games? You remember yeah. this? This is like – I don't know. This is like seven I years ago. I think he still does. Well, he used to when, – when the Panthers scored – I can't believe you guys don't remember this. When the Panthers scored – I don't scored, listen to radio. Well, okay. But wow. you, I, I don't I don't listen to the Panthers radio broadcasts either. But he used to, you'd hear it in the highlights, like if you're, whatever. I don't have a problem. I just listen to Panthers Radio. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> the, uh, he, would, he would read off a movie quote that people randomly sent in. So people would send them in, and then there would be a goal, and he would just ran, randomly read off some movie quote. That's, That's how he called the goal. That's great. And the best one I ever heard was him screaming, make me a bicycle clown after. It was like, <laughs> I don't even know who scored. That's fantastic. Alexander Barkov or something scored. Um, Los Coyotes, Steve. Do the Coyotes have a team identity? They were a hardworking, speedy team at the end of last season, but I don't see the same work ethic game in and game out. I mean, I still think they have a def- uh, an identity that's crafted around defensive play and goaltending, and they are a fast team. So I would say that's their identity. Do they do they always play to it? No. They, they generally get good goaltending. They pr- are pretty much a, a good defensive team, but they don't always play with speed. They don't always break out of their zone quickly they get hemmed in i got nothing more jamie sent the first I of all know, that, that sounds it's distracting it? me too yes yeah. yes even when jamie's not here he's distracting us is that a real tweet yes. that i'm reading yes i'm not gonna read that on the air yeah. it's, it's not jamie didn't tweet something ridiculous he's pointing out something ridiculous somebody else tweeted as if the everybody's conspiring against the oilers yes. this season yeah when has <laughs> anyone ever conspired against the oilers yeah here have nine more first round overall first overall picks to help you out los coyotes steve again uh oh he also added identity because originally he typed identity identify yeah and so Got to it. your uh to your heartstrings, Craig, he said. He does Twitter. have two other questions, though. Twitter, please okay. add an edit function. Oh, he does. Amen. Um, I don't want to read all of these. Do you think OEL would ask for a trade? And if so, would no. he welcome a reunion with Dave Tippett? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Can't I don't know. answer that one. Yeah, he's not. He's the one out. He likes it here. Um, does Hinnestroza have a future with the Coyotes? <laughs> That's a good question because this is a contract year for him. They do have his rights. He has Arb rights as an RFA. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking there because he just hasn't he hasn't had the season he had last year. No. That's going to be an interesting one to watch. I don't know. Uh, Murdoch, if you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, but you could have multiple versions, i.e. you can buy any type of pizza toppings if you choose pizza, what would you choose? I would choose pizza. Pizza. Yeah, pizza. Mac and cheese. Oh. Mac and cheese is a good choice, actually. Mac and cheese is far more versatile than people realize. You can do a lot with there are it. A lot yeah. of things you can put in it. I've had yeah. mac and cheese for two meals today. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> But did you have something else in it? 
Like did you have no, bacon had, or I shrimp? Two, I had two of those like craft Easy Mac microwavable ones. Okay, that's you probably shouldn't for lunch. You should admit I that. Had, you should admit I that had on a the air. Flour Mac for dinner. You so, had you had craft Easy Mac and cheese, and you're admitting this twice. Twice. She's yeah. admitting it and twice. Then, We're going to have to have you had, over. But then I had cauliflower mac for dinner. So I guess I've had macaroni three times okay. today. I'm going to have to have you over. I'm, 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 I feel I'm sorry. carb loading. I feel sorry I'm for you right for now. I'm carb loading for my marathon, so. <laughs> uh, who is your current Dark Horse Cup contender? Actually, quiet. hold on. Dark Horse. Dark Horse food that I would go with, sort of along the lines of mac and cheese, but not mac and cheese. Okay. If it couldn't be pizza... I think I might actually go with a salad because you can add so many yeah. things to a salad. No, I know, I know, I'm going to get the the oh, have to just be the salad guy. I can add anything to a salad. Can you make that sound again? No. I don't you think know you can what replicate else? It. <laughs> Are you going to be you the salad guy? You can add anything to mac, mac and, cheese. and cheese. Yeah, you can. You really can add a lot to mac and add, cheese. I'm down with it. Now you can add I would strawberries use to easy, mac and cheese. Craft easy mac and cheese is not something I would add things to. I would actually make. Good mac and cheese, and then eat that. I feel like I could get away things. with like fruit salad, taco salad. Like I could concoct to a few different meals. I mean, my answer is still pizza. Let's be honest here. It's but pizza. I'm just saying it's pizza. Uh, who's your current dark horse cup contender? Dark horse cup contender. Boston. Mm. Boston. They're not a dark horse. They're the favorites. <laughs> How about how about the Philadelphia no, Flyers? Don't, don't do it. No. Oh, I just say this to hurt Luke because uh, they're scheduled for a first round matchup with the Penguins. I don't know what qualifies as dark horse. Neither do I. My my pick all well my pick for a while has been Boston over Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say they're not dark horse contenders. I'm going to say like not St. Louis. I mean like is St. Louis Dallas, isn't a dark horse. Is, is Dallas yeah, a dark horse? D- Dallas can't score. They're, <laughs> they're yeah. They're not. They're not going anywhere. Is Edmonton in no. play here? Oh, that would now that would be a wild. Well, as we've just seen Mike from the Smith tweet, Mike Smith winning a Stanley Cup. Oh, can you imagine that, Mike Smith and Dave Tippett raising the cup? Okay, but I think Tippett. Okay, you know what? Here, here's my my dark horse, Colorado. That's a scary team. Yeah, they're. I love that. I love watching that team. I would love to see that. Well, I want to be clear. I think Colorado goes further than Edmonton. I just don't know where the cutoff is for a dark horse. Are you listening, Jamie? Colorado making a run. <laughs> Jamie's favorite team. Ever since they got good, he stopped doing the show. Hmm. Uh, Todd, in Phoenix, I still think the Hall trade will look good in hindsight, even if Hall walks, because it was a sign that management wanted to take a chance on this season. Did the Coyotes miss other chances to double down on that at the trade deadline? Yes. Trocek is the guy who I wish yeah. Chica had grabbed. They tried to get Trocek. They were in on that one. So in that, there, was, there was a lot of weirdness around that trade, including, you know, uh, I heard from a few people outside of this organization that there was bad communication from from Florida when that trade was going oh, down. Shot. So, yeah, you, you know who was in charge. So, <laughs> I feel like I should ring a bell, although, you know, he's not the guy at, to blame for all of the Blackhawks current problems. So, Where I, is I the won't. bell? The bell is missing. This is interesting. Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, there it is. Now, I'm, I'm it. not going to re- yeah. ring it for Dale Talon. It you only just gets can't see it in the darkness. Stan Bowman moves. So, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But, Trocek, they tried to get. Here, here's another one we were talking about today, just a quiet little move for a guy whose game I've loved forever. He he's a little beat up, but it only cost a fifth round pick yeah. to get Wayne, Wayne Simmons, Wayne a Simmons. guy who gives oh. you net front. Why not get we Wayne Simmons? We talked about that during the Buffalo game. I love Wayne Simmons. Yes, yeah, we all do. We all absolutely do. Now, look, it's entirely possible adding Wayne Simmons would not have changed the outcome of any of these games yet. But Ooh. you didn't have to give up. You anything. only had to give up they a fifth round draft pick. A fifth round draft pick. That's what they're missing. They're oh. missing Instead, he went to, to he finish. went to Buffalo. Why did Buffalo pick up Wayne Simmons? 
Does anyone understand that? I think just because he was available? I don't know. To, to set up that Jack one goal Eichel against the Coyotes? Jack Eichel locked the door to the GM room until they made it trade to just appear to give him a chance. Um, <laughs> this is a different Michael. <laughs> Not very optimistic, Michael. When the Coyotes miss the playoffs, what do you root for? I think he means who do you root for? <laughs> Being from Illinois and living there, I haven't had much to go for in the postseason recently. So yeah, I'm right there with you, Michael. So I typically like to hope Canada fails. I mean, it is always fun, right? <laughs> Just check off the Canadians. And I don't even, I don't even actually root against Canada's teams, but the fan bases, you know, it is fun to see them just losing their minds. Oh yeah, for and they're different. They're distinctly different fan bases in Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver. And they don't like each other no, at all. They hate each other. It's That's not like, thing. like, oh, do you root for other Canada, Canada's other teams no. when yours goes out? Absolutely no, not. are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah. Am I allowed to say who I'd root for? Yeah, go yes. ahead. We know. Do you? I don't know. You Me haven't do. said it yet. Carolina? So so I would I would definitely root for, for Boston. Not no. that in, in a professional capacity I root for no team. Yes. I, I root for good hockey. But I'd I'd love to watch Tuka Rask hoist another Stanley Cup. I'd like to watch Yaroslav Halak lift a Stanley Cup wearing those sweet, sweet Brian's pads with the bear claws on them. So we did know who you were rooting for. The only reason I would want to see Boston raise the cup, and I do not want to see Boston raise the cup because I spent far too much time going to school in New England to ever, to ever root for a team that has Boston, Boston fans rooting for it because there's no more obnoxious fan base in the country than Boston. There will be if Toronto wins, but I guess not in the country. I would be okay if Patrice Bergeron raised another cup because, well, yeah. First of all, to be... I, I pretty much have a man crush on Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> That's very obvious, too. Yeah, you guys are acting like these are secrets. Yeah. I knew Kat was going to say Boston, <laughs> although now that I listen, I think Kat is just rooting for goalies to hoist the Stanley Cup, and I everybody knows Craig has a Patrice Bergeron I mean, man crush. look at my avatar on Twitter. Look at your tattoo. I'm interviewing Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, it, it is Patrice Bergeron, it isn't is it? Patrice I looked. Bergeron. I actually <laughs> randomly looked at it the other day because I thought I saw a Coyote's jersey in the background. It's, it must just be red pads or something. Um, I photoshopped I I photoshop that to that. fool people. I would be um, I would be rooting for the Penguins who are going to go out in five games in the first round in the playoffs. I think everybody. But when they're when they're out in the first round, will you root for Boston with us? Uh, I don't have a problem with Boston. Sure, I probably. I love it. I might be on on board with Michael. I don't really. I'm not ready for a Canadian team to win the cup yet. I'm just not ready for it no, to happen. Quarter centuries. It's not <laughs> enough. It's just a little bit more. Uh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I lived here when everybody, not everybody, okay. but a lot of people were saying your team should move and you should lose your job. And yeah, I'm not ready for you to win a cup yeah, yet. Yeah, when Winnipeg reporters were swirling around the team when there was absolutely no chance yeah. they were going to Winnipeg. Ha, joke's on you. So if you had to pick one of the seven Canadian teams to raise the cup, Ottawa. which one would be... <laughs> They've been through that so would much. be the most palatable well, to you, even with Eugene Melnick as the owner. Those poor fans. That would be the yes, most palatable. Yeah, well, it's fair for the fan base. I get. Yeah. It. What about you, Kat? Uh, my my entire family is from Scarborough. We're from the suburbs of Toronto. So, I technically my my very first hockey jersey when I was like three was was a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Yeah. I have I have a like a little figurine of Johnny Bauer sitting on my desk. So that's adorable. I think that's that's probably my. <laughs> My worst kept secret is uh, 
that I, I root for Boston and Toronto. Okay. I would not mind seeing the Leafs win the Cup. I think it's time. What is going on here? It would be pretty – it would be good for hockey if the you, Leafs you won the Cup. That. And Austin Matthews is playing there too. So. Yeah, that's great. Remember doing this podcast a couple years ago? Well, it's good for hockey if Toronto gets Austin Matthews. I did say that, yeah, yes, and I still believe that. And I got I on board with that. that. But the other team that I, I wouldn't mind seeing win the Cup is Calgary, actually. Hmm. Oh. I, I take the Calgary Flames. I don't think you guys appreciate the hockey landscape – after Toronto wins a Stanley Cup. If if you think that fan base thinks no other fan base matters now, their team's been awful to mediocre for, what, 52 years and counting? If they win the Stanley Cup, they haven't been awful all those years. They made, I'm sure they've made it to the Cup a couple times. But if they win the Stanley Cup, you may as well just trim the league down to one team for a while because that's all anybody's ever going to talk about. That's true. After the coronavirus, that may be all we have. Oh, Wow. Oh, wow. That's what, I, I didn't want to read any more questions. Wow. Sanctuary City of Toronto. <laughs> um, okay. Let's do oof. Gertrude von Lichtenstein. Oh, we always have to do Gertrude's questions. Who would win in a fight between a grilled cheese sandwich and a taco? Ooh, that's a okay. So I have thoughts on this, actually. Well, I'm glad you asked I, this. I thought about this question. And, yeah. you know, while the taco may seem to have the hard exterior, the shell, as it were, I think the, uh, I think the, Grilled cheese can take a lot more punishment. It's got know? more weight. Yeah, yeah. well, it's flexible. So I'm going with the grilled what cheese. What if it's a soft taco? Does that change your opinion at all? Yeah, actually, it probably would. And he didn't clarify. And I'm going to go with crunchy taco as the traditional, so I'm, that's my answer. So you're going grilled cheese? I'm going with grilled cheese. I would go grilled cheese, too, because it can throw its weight around, and there's just a lot of spillage with a taco. True. Right? Yeah, it just falls apart. Yeah. I mean, it may look tough, but it's really not. It just it falls tough. One blow, and it falls apart. Cat's answer is going to be macaroni and cheese. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to weigh in on our meaningless question? Mm. Have we exhausted this? I mean, grilled, this? Cheese is, grilled cheese is like what your mom makes for you when you get sick, right? So it's it's made with love, always. <laughs> uh, so it's got it's got the power of mom's love behind it there. Look at that. Grilled cheese, That's for sure. That's a good addition. See? So it's unanimous, grilled cheese. Yeah. It's, I don't even think it would last the full however many rounds. I think it would be done... By by knockout, I would say early. Um, you want to wrap up on this one? Sure. This is the opt. We I know we have a lot here. We'll do two more questions, and then we'll get to these other ones probably next week. Coyote and can he's we lying. Do the goalie one? He's lying. Can we do the one about the goalie taking a shot? You can read that one after Luke finishes these because yeah, he has no idea what you're talking. I have about. no idea where that is. Um, <laughs> I have it highlighted right now. Go ahead, Luke. No, there's a few good ones here though. Okay, well we'll do them then. Here, here's Chris. Let's go till 10 p.m. Chris, <laughs> if they made a musical based on the Coyote season, would you have the first intermission break take place before the wheels came off? Wow, that's. It's just. It got worse as I read I it. I feel I like was, I even need to answer I'm that. Trying to it come just says it all. I, I, I will say, the listeners' <laughs> questions are much longer this week than they typically are. Um, okay, Coyote and Philly. What's the correct condiment for a hot dog? Mustard. Mustard. Ketchup and mustard. No, no you, you, you don't oh. get an answer on Why do this. We keep one? finding these guests that think you are just okay. kill her, Mike. Yeah, I, I did it before Ketchup. accidentally. I can definitely do it Ketchup. on purpose. It's an abomination. Um, okay, we're going to... Cat, read your goalie Ketchup question and first. craft yeah. easy mac and cheese. Okay, Ugh. so I have a sort of a hint of what's going on in that house now. Yeah. I feel like I'm being really attacked right now. Yeah. Oh, this I feel, is nothing I, I feel Craig. like I'm calling Child Protective <laughs> Services. Oh, I, I feed Izzy 
good food, and then I put her to bed, and I microwave macaroni for oh, myself. Boy. Well, I mean, that's at least responsible parenting. You're just not really taking care of yourself. You're going to have to try Tara's mac and cheese, because once you have it, you're going to be like, what, what was I doing? All right. What um, was I doing? Where's the goalie question? And I'll read the, All right. the last one to wrap it it's, up. It's Michael Kinkor. He asked, why can't a goalie attempt to skate the length of the ice and take a shot on goal? If a goalie is brave enough to do it, they should be allowed to. And somebody responded, letting him know that there is the rule preventing them from crossing the center ice. And his response is, why the rule? Why is it necessary? And, and my answer is, it, it shouldn't be. It's, it's one of those, those rules that's basically disenfranchising goalies. Yeah, like the trapezoid. the trapezoid. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Completely it's agree. A, Let them roam free. It's a form of oppression. It's the goal. Yeah, goal I'm, I'm, see, this is the goalie guild speaking. Oh. Yeah, it is. All of yeah. them speaking yes. through cat. Yeah. I, look, I'd love to see it. We all know it's only Mike Smith that would do it, but I'd love to see a goalie carry the puck over the line and try and score. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Igor, so awesome. Igor Shesterkin would do it too. He's been trying to score a goal since he got called up to the Rangers. He think... takes a shot at the other net every time he plays. <laughs> Um, okay, we're gonna wrap up on on the eternal optimist. Okay, oh, Co- Coachy's Jack, Coachy's Jack. <laughs> if the Coyotes can go five and zero on this upcoming homestand, do you think there's still a shot? Yes, if they can go five and zero, absolutely, they're back if in. They it. can go five and zero in front of an empty arena. <laughs> we don't even know if there's going to be a homestand <laughs> yeah, right now. Right? Or yeah, exactly. So there's quite a few ifs. But if there is a homestand and they go five and, and they go five and zero, they are alive, they baby. Are absolutely they are stopped. alive. Yeah. And it, look, it should it's be alive. Possible. The teams they play on this homestand are all beatable. <laughs> or they play Dallas on this. They do, don't they? They do play Dallas. They never beat Dallas. No, they, they don't. never beat Dallas. But Detroit, never. Jamie Ben will give Oliver Ekman Larson a concussion or vice versa. We'll see what happens. This is where we need Wayne Simmons just for a game. Whoever's yes. playing Dallas should get to have Wayne Simmons. Mm-hmm. He yes. should be just all time Dallas guy. Hi, I'm here. Hi, I'm Wayne Simmons, and you you, you behave, Jamie Ben. <laughs> all right. Kat, thanks for doing this. I know this is a weird night for everybody. Um, I don't know how much of what we talked about in the second half is relevant, but it was fun. So, for, fun. for Kat Silverman, not for Jamie Eisner, who somehow did distract us mid show, and for Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.